Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, as Rihanna so eloquently put it, come here, Ruid boy, boy, can you get it up? Come here, Ruid boy, boy, is you big enough? Because we've got a couple of rude boys incoming with Rui Hachimura and AD on the way. And I think... The Lakers may now just be big enough indeed. <laughs> that was good. Man. That was good. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I am joined by our second straight triumphant podcast return of the week, still on his paternity leave and fitting this into his busy schedule via a drive-by recording, new dad, Mr. Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how you doing? I hear you have a rude boy now of your own. How's dad life? And is Rui Hachimura the very first words your son has spoken yet? Uh, he hasn't spoken yet. But I will say I do have a very rude boy at home. This parenting thing is, in some ways, it's like a lot easier than what I thought it was going to be like. But in the sleep deprivation way, I mean, there's just all the parents listening to this probably understand what I'm talking about. There's... There's nothing that can prepare you for it. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty rough. I'm actually I'm very happy to be sitting here talking to you right now, John. <laughs> yes, let's get your mind off of your rude boy at home and talk about the Ruid boy in Rui Hachimura that the Lakers have just acquired. I did this podcast episode with Alan yesterday. Pretty much gave all my thoughts. I was just interested in hearing now that you've had a couple days to settle on the acquisition and watch some more tape, get hyped and get more lit on Rui Hachimura. Although I will say this is the name that we have been talking about in the last year because we always try and get ahead of these things. We just never think that Rob Palenka will actually do them. Oh yeah, no way. He has. He's done it. He's gotten Rui Hachimura and to our surprise... It is for very minimal output, very minimal 
assets came out of the Lakers' treasure chest of assets, quote-unquote treasure chest of assets. It's pretty much just three seconds, two of which came from the Washington Wizards' Russell Westbrook trade last season, and then Kendrick Nunn, who, while he has been showing flashes recently, will end up being pegged down the totem pole once guys like Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker return. So essentially, this is a great flyer. The Lakers get to retain Rui Hachimura's qualifying offer, restricted free agency rights. But yeah, Tommy, what was your initial reaction upon hearing of the trade? I think I was the one who broke it to you. You just saw my text and you were like, wait, what? But what were you processing when that happened? And did you think it was even like in the realm of possibilities that you were thinking about? No, it was not in the realm. So the very first thing I thought was, oh, this dude got uh, tricked by one of these fake OJ accounts or something. Um, Because I was like, there's no chance that we actually did something like this, right? Um, And I'm not trying to suggest, by the way, that Rui is like some all-star caliber guy that, you know, we got him for a bunch, like the Pau Gasol trade. Like, it wasn't like that, right? But it's just, these are the types of sort of ancillary, like, flyer type moves that you know it doesn't net you a star right now but like these are the types of roster building moves that eventually can lead you to playoff success and potentially giving lebron and ad the chance to compete for a championship and so the fact that rob did it just blew my mind i mean you mentioned like we had talked about this type of thing in the past um but i never thought that it was like in any way realistic you know so So I think like surprise and, you know, just to talk about like the assets going out, I mean, I still think Kendrick Nunn is like, hopefully he, he find he like refines his game with the Wizards or, you know, wherever he ends up next year, I guess more likely. But this is a guy who on a team that was starved for three point shooting and multiple times in the last like three, four weeks, like had three plus guards down. I mean, there were games where we had, Troy, Lonnie, Austin, and Pat Bev down. And even in those types of rotations, Kendrick Nunn was having like a hard time finding consistent minutes. Again, on a team that was like starved for perimeter shooting. So there was not a chance in my mind that we were going to retain that guy next year, even though we have his early bird rights because we've had him for two years. But there was no chance we were going to retain him. And to swap him out with three seconds, and I, I like, again, it's like so funny with the seconds because like the second, I don't want to say they're meaningless. Right. But if like to me, and I think you like Bobby Marks has said similar things. And if a first round pick is like a hundred dollar bill, a second round pick is like a single, like we had seven first round picks, uh, seven second round picks to burn in, in a trade or in trades, I guess we burned three of them in this trade. We literally just bought a top five, second round pick for Max Christie just this year. So these second round picks are like frequently for sale. Um, Maybe we're not going to get a top five every year, but we just did that. Right. And it's like top five really is like where the main value is. So if you can buy that on the open market, like I guess my point is I'm not saying I'm not trying to suggest it's nothing like the wizards can sell those picks and maybe use them. If like, I think one of those is like a bulls pick that might be fairly high depending on where the bulls end up this year. But it like it is such a low risk move to get a guy in like Re, who has been in the NBA for four years. He's only 24 years old. He has so much upside still. And even by the way, if he does not reach the, his upside because of what we swapped out, it's just like such a no brainer. I mean, we needed 
how how we've been saying since the summer that we need more six eight guys, and we got a six eight guy. Yep. Again, not to say like for free, but in a way, kind of to me, it was like for free. Yeah. And, you know, we when we were talking about Rui Hachimura last season, it was because we were, you know, trying to cobble up all of these Taylor and Horton Tucker trades, right? And presumably it would be like THT plus seconds or whatever for Rui Hachimura. And I don't know, it's this is the exact type of guy outside of maybe, I can't think of a better sort of flyer prospect to take a chance on besides, you know, everybody was comparing Rui Hachimura to the deal that we was more openly publicized in the Cam Reddish thing. But obviously Cam Reddish has only shown flashes. He hasn't put it as consistently together as Rui Hachimura has. And the only other guy that I can think of that I would want a flyer on outside of Rui, who is like a young prospect who hasn't hit his stride yet or hasn't gotten that next contract yet, would probably be Jalen McDaniels of the Charlotte Hornets. But outside of that, Rui was kind of the prototype I was looking for and I guess we should have seen it coming if we just think hard and take a step back about which GMs only work with Rob Palenka. <laughs> you can really just, you can narrow it down to the Washington Wizards, the Orlando Magic, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, okay? So if we had been thinking under that prism, it, maybe it would have been more obvious to us. But ha- having said all of that, I will give Rob his flowers for this trade in a vacuum, not his flowers for this season and how he's handled it. If anything, Tommy, I feel like this trade in a vacuum should almost show Rob, wait, you can do stuff like this? Why didn't, <laughs> yeah. you, why didn't you preemptively do more stuff like this at the beginning of the season? We could be in a much better place. We could be top four right now, bolstering our already competent team with Rui Hachimura, you know, instead of... Rui Hachimura being step one of improvement? Anyways, I don't want to, like, knock him down, but all that to say, in a vacuum, I think this would have to be the first trade that I can think of that Rob Palenko, quote-unquote, won. And I'm even including the Anthony Davis trade because even if you can say, well, we won the Anthony Davis trade because we won a championship, obviously, I don't think negotiation-wise Rob Palenko won because there was nobody else bidding for Anthony Davis, right? We knew where he was going to go. So we outbid ourselves. So in the context of that, would you agree that this is one of the first trades that in recent memory that I think Rob Palenka has outright won? Putting, I'm going to put the 80s trade aside because that one was just a different beast. Um, of all the other trades he made, yes. You know, at the time when he did the Danny Green and a first for Schroeder, that felt like, you know, you're getting the six man of the year <laughs> you know, type True. of guy back and street that felt at the time, like it was a great trade, but in hindsight, it, he lost that trade because he ended up not keeping the asset. So if you recall the first round pick, like what types of players, I mean, I think that first round pick ended up becoming like Desmond Bain or something. So, or it should have been like, Desmond. I, Bain, yeah. That should have been Desmond Bain. But I just think like, again, I, I don't want to oversell the trade. And, and I think that, what I've seen a lot of on Twitter or more than I would like to see on Twitter from like Laker fans is people being like, well, you know, it's an, it's an okay trade, but like, you know, kind of shrug emoji. Like, does this really do any, like, no, these are the types of trades that eventually win you championships. Okay. I don't like it. Yeah. It's not a star. I'm not saying we might not even make the playoffs. If this is the only trade we make, by the way, and you know, who knows how 80 is going to come back. We still might not make the playoffs. This is not a huge movable lead, uh, needle moving, movable leading, needle moving trade by itself in a vacuum. 
but it is the right it's it is the right process which is what we've always been talking about and like harping on and like trying to get you know hoping that rob would eventually buy into this like doing things the right way and doing things the right way via process again if rihachimura does not develop at all and he literally just does what he's been doing for the wizards for the last like four years we still won the trade Okay, yeah. because Kendrick Nunn wasn't doing anything for us. He wasn't doing anything for us this year, let alone in the future. You now have the chance to sign it, re-sign a guy at a hopefully like market favorable, you know, value because he's going to be a restricted free agent. You know, so what team is going to like, you know, this isn't like a DeAndre Ayton situation. Like there are not going to be a lot of teams lining up to tie up valuable cap space for like 24, 48 hours, however long that is with an offer sheet to Rihachimura in free agency. So you are yeah. going to be in a good, you know, situation with him as a restricted free agent to keep him. Well, not to mention, not to mention you have him in a market that I think he's going to love, has previously loved, et cetera, et cetera. So he's going to want to be here, you know, and this guy was like, you can make an argument. And again, whether the, the wizards overreached and maybe he wasn't a number nine pick, regardless of whether you think he was a number nine pick or whether he's lived up to that type of hype and potential. He is a, he was a consensus lottery pick in that draft. If you go back and redraft that draft, which was very weak in hindsight, outside of the top picks, um, you know, like your Zions and John Morantz, that was a weak draft in a redraft. Re would still be a lot of pick in that draft. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like, it's, I just think like it is such a no brainer. We've yep. never had a guy like this who, I mean, like even just looking at like Troy Brown, like we, the types of fl- flyers that we've taken Lonnie in free agency, mostly right. Malik Monk, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker. These were guys that like were not sticking anywhere else. Right. Malik Monk was like, people were like, I don't know, maybe he's going to be out of the league soon. And yeah, yeah. we got him for the vet men. And that was a real flyer. Like he had not shown anything consistently. Lonnie Walker has been up and down his whole career. Rihachimura is career shooting 48%. Okay. And he yeah. takes a lot of mid range jumpers. This is not like Montrez Harrell taking like a lot of, you know, interior. He does take a good amount of post shots and he, he takes high percentage shots around the rim. But he takes a fair amount of mid-range jumpers. And for a guy like that to hit 48%, his true shooting percentage has trended up since his rookie season. It is just like, I, I mean, it's, it is a win. It is such a, it is such a big win. <laughs> I, can't, I really yeah. can't like oversell. I mean, again, it's like, I don't want to oversell it too much. But could you imagine if we had, I, I, I was talking to you about this the other day, right? Since we acquired AD. We have not had a guy other than your Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Montrezl Harrell, like centers who are doing a lot of putbacks and dunks around the rim, right? Like we have not had a more perimeter or mid post type oriented guy who shot over 46% since we got AD. Maybe, maybe Markeith Morris. I, I don't remember what his mid range, but we only, we only had Markeith for like a very short period of time, but. True, true. And I guess like, True. And and that, even though, was like an outlier for him, right? Like, he shot very well with us. I'm talking, when you look at the career numbers, like, we picked up Troy this year, career low 40s. Lonnie Walker, career low 40s. Dennis Schroeder, career mid to low 40s. Like, I, I understand that Ree is going to be a work in progress with his three-point shot. Although, he hit it at a decent volume and a decent clip last year. No, it wasn't more. It was better than decent. It was like 44% on 1.3 makes 
in in only like 40 games, but yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe a small-ish sample size, but he's shown that he has the potential there, right? So the point is, even, again, even if he doesn't, even if he just hits like low to mid-30s, to get a guy who's 6'8", who could play the four for you, like you get him in here now, Phil Handy, this dude is athletic, okay? I think like one thing yeah. that I had a misconception about was, and by the way, when you go back and watch his like, not just his highlight videos, but like his scouting videos from like ESPN and like those random draft people who do like scouting videos on, on YouTube and stuff. Like he was, he was uh, kind of tagged as like a athletic four, you know, maybe like more of a three in, in uh, college. Cause you know, they had Brandon Clark and they had Sabonis and, and whatever, but um, you know, an athletic four for the NBA, this guy is a lot more athletic than I thought, dude. I mean, he's yeah. like, he's like sneaky explosive off the floor um, he's pretty quick. He has a pretty quick first step that helps him get to like his spots that he wants to get to in the mid range. He kind of reminds me a little bit. I think like the, what I thought of him before watching more, I think I, he kind of reminded me of like a Tobias Harris, but actually mm-hmm. watching him more, he kind of reminds me more of like a Harrison Barnes, uh, maybe with a little more size. So, oh, yeah. you know, if he can develop, like he does not need to be a wing stopper per se. Right. I mean, if he could get like, you know, people forget, right? Kyle Kuzma was like one of the worst defenders in the NBA before we like, or like mm-hmm. certainly well below average before we uh, brought Phil Handy in and got him working with Kuz and like our other young guys and Frank Vogel, defensive minded coach and like winning culture. And, and Kuz went from like being very inadequate to being actually one of the better wing defenders for his size in the league at this point, like fairly quickly. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but like when you start looking forward to next season, it is hard to think of a guy that we could have got for this price who could slot in better next to AD and LeBron. Again, doesn't need to be a star. You know, there's still potential with the salaries we have to get other quote unquote star type players, whatever. If we don't, who cares? Because this is a super high quality role player. And we just have, these are the types of overlooked moves. Like these are the types of moves yeah. that the past three years, you and I would look at Twitter and be like, wait, you know, Indiana got Ri Hachimura for like a random expiring end of bench contract and a couple first rounders. Where the hell was Rob for this? You know, wait, wait, wait. Can I? I want to add some additional ones. So, like for example, this didn't end up panning out, but the process was right. You used Indiana. Indiana is a good example because last year I think they traded a second or something for Jalen Smith for a flyer on Jalen Smith. Yeah. And then the Houston Rockets, I know there was a lot more context to this because he was a bit problematic at his original destination, but the Houston Rockets traded a second for Kevin Porter Jr. You know what I mean? So it's like flyers like that. And I feel like this is more, I think Rui is more of the higher profile end of this spectrum. Well, actually, no, Jalen Smith was a lotto pick, but I think you and I have been talking a long time about where, when is Rob Palenka going to pull out his Trevor Ariza, Mitch Kupchak trade, you know? Exactly. And while this is the higher end version of that, because it's involving a lot of former lotto pick, we just have to work under the prism that Rob Palenka works under. And there's only like a, a bar that he's going to stoop to solo. You know, he's, he's still going to look at former lotto picks, you know, but I'll work with that if he's looking for if he's looking at reclamation projects. And so for once, I think this is finally one we can say and put our stamp of approval and say, okay, this is an actual creative move. It seems like Rob assessed the context and situation and the Washington Wizards tried to give this guy an extension and he turned it down. You know, the other guys you were talking about, Lonnie Walker, Malik Monk, 
I don't believe their teams offered them an extension before they hit qualifying offer restricted free agency status, you know? So yeah. the Washington Wizards also were dealing with a glut at power forward with Denny Avdia, Chris Stapps Porzingis, uh, Kyle Kuzma. So it, it made less and less sense for them to pay, you know, 15 to $18 million to Rui Hachimura to be like a bench player, you know? So given all that context for Rob to swoop in and get ahead of the curve, uh, yeah, a a plus sort of deal, regardless of whether or not it quote unquote works out. So let's take it to break, and when we return, let's talk a little bit more about Rui's game and how we potentially could see him fitting into this group. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. We know you guys are lit about the new Rui Hachimura acquisition. We are too. Please join us in our litness by thumb tapping away on your Apple Podcast app or your Spotify app. Find the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Give us five stars on either of those apps. Spotify is probably the easiest app that you can do this with. All you have to do is look us up on Spotify. Check out that five-star dial at the top of our Lakers Legacy Podcast page and hit the five-star button. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, with that said, ikimasho. Let's get on with the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. Tommy, let's talk more about what stands out to you in Rui's game. You've already talked about his... High percentage shooting, especially from the mid-range. You've talked about his sneaky athleticism, which it is kind of sneaky because when I was talking to Alan yesterday, something that surprised me about his game is he's almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde in in the sense that when he's operating in the mid-range, he looks like an old, like, 1990s sort of player. You know what I mean? He's like yeah. very methodical getting to his spots. I think that's why he gets that Kawhi comp because it's almost boring to watch him get to his spot i really like the how he always uses like a forearm shiver to get his man off of him and then all of a sudden he'll do like a lean back fadeaway jump shot or whatever and he even has some really nice like hop step into reverse pivot fadeaway jump shots it's it's very impressive he's very skilled in the mid-range and he knows how to leverage his physique and body to square up properly on all of those shots which is very impressive And then on the perimeter, though, you get a different sort of Rui Hachimura if you see him in transition with the ball in his hands. That's when he sort of starts to look like a Tobias Harris or a Harrison Barnes, right? Where you're like, oh, this guy looks a lot more fluid and fast than I thought because in the mid-range, he looks kind of loafing and slow. But I realize it's like one thing that I think benefits Rui if I could compare him to other guys, like similar guys in his vein, like a Julius Randle is... I feel like Rui has a different change of speed in his game. He can change paces pretty well. Like in the half court, you can use him as this almost like old, old generation power for like a LaMarcus Aldridge. But if you want to give him the, if you want to give him the ball and allow him to operate in isolation, he can also sort of take his man off the dribble. And if you want him to operate off ball, he all of a sudden morphs into a quicker, sleekier wing. So I like that he has these two different sides of him. But yeah, do you have anything else to say about his game? And where where do you see him fitting in with 
Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James because I think right now where he shoots the three-point shot the best, and this is very fitting for our team, is the baseline, particularly like the left baseline. I think he's shooting like 55% from that. And if he can hit that at a decent rate, at the rate he's doing right now, I mean, he's going to thrive on this team. And then obviously his synergy with Russell Westbrook and actually the other three like Washington Wizards guys, obviously running in transition and, you know, just providing the very practical thing that he can default provide because of his size in terms of you know, putting a body on a guy to, you know, box out and get a rebound, Um, you know, just be a deterrent in the paint that's longer and taller than 6'5", you know, so those things are already just, you know, default benefits to this team. But in terms of the versatility he provides us, I think we're going to see it a lot in the half court. Transition-wise, you already know what he's going to bring because he's young, he's athletic, He's going to run the floor, but half-court-wise, you were mentioning his mid-range jump shot. He is a professional mid-range jump shooter, but as long as we can keep the paint not mucked up and he can still get to his spots in there, we're going to have a different look half-court-wise in terms of, like, we need a guy to get us a bucket, but it's not going to look like how we've been seeing it in terms of the guy has the ball at the top of the three-point line. It's Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schroeder, or LeBron James trying to break down a defense. It's like, let's give Rui a post up, you know, or let's have him face up and take his man off the dribble. Let's run a simple down screen for him to curl off of where he can just hit that 16 footer. The possibilities are endless. If we can do this correctly, if we can properly scheme for him and make him an intentional part of the offense versus just, yes, a large portion of what he's going to be doing is going to be spacing on the baseline, but I hope we just don't relegate him to solely that. And we take advantage of some of his, post skills, his mid-range post skills, and his ability to just curl off a screen, get to his spots, and leverage his physique, you know? So yeah, what are your thoughts on what he can bring on the court? I think the one thing that's actually impressed me the most about him is his hands. Mm. He has, like, and this is, again, when you go back and watch the scouting of him, it's like, because he's 6'8", he's 7'2", he's pretty, or excuse me, 6'8", 7'2", wingspan, he's pretty sturdily built. But the one thing that kind of people hung their hat on in terms of his defensive like upside because his defense is not necessarily there right now right but his defensive upside is he has really strong hands and that is going to help him on both sides we're he's going to be running a lot of pick and roll and his ability to catch the ball especially catch the ball in tight quarters around the rim and finish with soft touch like we've seen russell westbrook make like winnie and gabriel look like a legitimate like NBA player. We've seen LeBron James look like make Wendy and Gabriel and, and Thomas Bryan and some of these other guys look like, you know, over the years look like really legitimate scoring threat options, you know? And so re can actually do things is the thing. So if he can even hit like, you know, and I, I guess the, the thing I, other than his hands, the thing I like the most about him is like, if he can even hit like, 33 to 35% from three. Make yourself like a reasonable threat to hit a wide open three once in a while. He's not just like a one dimensional, like if I'm going to catch the ball on the perimeter, it's going to be the spot up and shoot. Like he can, you know, a big part of this offense as we've been talking about all year and and what the Spurs run and what the Hawks have run over the years and the Bucks have run is drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick. So, Re is a guy at 6'8 who can catch the ball, give you a pump fake if his man has to close. And again, his man is going to have to close if he's even hitting like low to mid 30s from three. 
he can put the ball on the floor, get to his spot in the mid range where he wants to get and finish the, finish the shot. You know, how often are we seeing like Dennis Schroeder and, and Lonnie Walker and these guys get into the mid range and just brick like mid range jumpers on, on the, you know, off the dribble. Or wildly try try to force it into a packed paint. Rui's dude, exactly. his, dri- his dribble pull up is so sound. It it's lethal. It's crazy. But yeah, it's yeah. lethal. It's lethal. So that's what I'm saying, dude. If he like that was the aspect. That was who he was as a college player. And so it's like when I was talking earlier about all these different types of flyers we've taken over the years. Rui is the one of these flyers who he actually is, has so far done in the NBA what he did in college it's just he didn't necessarily develop into like the type of number nine overall pick that maybe a team like the wizards who were like you know starved for extra talent like would have hoped for but that's his game and he is like it's that aspect does not need to develop that's why i'm like even he doesn't change at all he's already such a huge upgrade over what we had Um, yeah because he's going to be able to create such an a nice extra dimension. I mean, I was like thinking about this actually last night watching the Clippers game. Right. And we had a lineup out there in the second quarter, you know, or it actually played throughout the game. And it was like Russ, Pat Bev, you know, Troy Brown, Toscano Anderson and Wenyan. Okay. And like that lineup, like if Russ is not holding the ball 90% of the shot clock and forcing passes to guys like, who on that road, who in that lineup is going to make a play for themselves? I don't know. Toscano Anderson was like feeling himself last night. And was try- <laughs> I was like trying to do random things off the dribble that I've never seen him try before. And it did not go well, but it's like so interesting now that we have a guy out there that we could put into those types of rotations and be like, yeah, this guy has done this scoring 13 points a game for the last four years and has done it at like a decently efficient clip too. So yeah. it, it's just like, it, it is very, very exciting. I mean, I think like the big thing for me is not this year because I think this year he's just going to slot in sort of as who he's been. Mm-hmm. I think next year and beyond is where it becomes exciting. A whole off season of working on his defense with Phil Handy, working on his yeah. body, like getting stronger, getting his mental health in check. I mean, like if we want to talk about that stuff, right? Like, oh yes. Like, you know, he, as we know, had to miss a substantial amount of time last year because of some sort of undisclosed, like mental health problems relating to him, like going back to Japan. And like, I don't know if there was some homesickness or what was going on. Right. But here's like a little background for people who don't know a ton about Ruby. Right. He grew up in like Toyama, Japan. So not like Tokyo, like a major metropolitan, huge bustling city. That's sort of like, you know, the major metropolitan cities in the U S it's a pretty rural he went from that, like literally being in high school there, to going to Gonzaga, which is like middle of nowhere, eastern, you know, rural Washington state. And dealing with, you know, once you're in college, you're like in the campus life and he's had his food at campus probably. And like all of his life was around basketball in school. And so that's like a, probably an easier adjustment for somebody coming from another country. To go from that to being like, I'm going to throw you into Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. would be a culture shock for me to get like thrown <laughs> into. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not like an easy place to live. And I'm not saying that like the NBA guys are living in like the tough areas of Washington, D.C. But I'm just saying that like it's not the same as going from, you know, that to like L.A., which I don't remember if you tweeted this or we just talked about this like offline, but 
LA has the second biggest, you know, the biggest Japanese American community in the, in like the mainland United States. Yeah. Only Hawaii has a bigger Japanese mm-hmm. American community. And by the way, Hawaii is like a pretty quick flight um, from here. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think that whole aspect is going to make such a big difference with his development because, you know, Sabonis had like the nice quote to hear, which was when they were in the tournament at Gonzaga together and they were playing at Staples Center, you know, Ree made some comment about like, this is my home, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you can kind of like, again, for like a young, very young man who grew up his whole life in Japan, it's not, you know, it's not like this guy's not Luka Doncic who's been playing professional basketball since he was like 12. Like that is not an easy adjustment for a lot of people. And I think being in LA where he clearly wants to be on a team that clearly wants him. We don't have this like glut of forwards. We didn't like draft him. And then in like three years in a row, acquire more like Chris Dapps, Kyle Kuzma, uh, uh, you know, Denny and like all these other guys that the wizards have. So it's like, like, I, I just think that that is going to potentially propel his development Yeah. so much. And by the way, again, I will always come back to this. Even if he doesn't develop at all, he's still, we still won this trade because Kendrick Nunn was not going to do anything for us. Yeah. Well, we still won this trade. I think even from a fan's perspective, looking at any glimmers of hope for this front office, Tommy, and we're like, can they do right by process in any move that they make yeah. uh, since the since the fumbled Russell Westbrook trade? And they have shown signs of life here, more than signs of life with this Rui deal. And yeah, I mean, props to Rob Palenka for pulling it off. At this point, he should keep this momentum going, Rob. Like, stop with the platitudes about we're only going to still do, we're only going to trade our picks if it makes a needle-moving move and there's no in-between. Rob, there is clearly an in-between here. It's not just championship or bust. You showed that with the Rui deal. I understand you're dealing with a more valuable asset in a first-round pick, but there are ways to do this where you are not only focusing on the future, but you're focusing on the present that can bleed into a better future. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to get into all of that. To close this episode, Tommy, I want to talk about, and throughout this episode, we've kind of hinted at players that we feel like Rui reminds us of, but give me your best case archetype scenario for Rui and give me your worst case archetype scenario for him. And you can even do like a melding and fusion of players. I know you've talked about you see flashes of Tobias Harris and Harrison Barnes. You can give those as your examples if you want to. Uh, But for me, when I was talking to Alan yesterday, I, I still don't know in my mind whether Rui can actually be one of those sleeky sort of wings, like even a Kyle Kuzma type, because there are times when he's just so bulky that yeah. and stocky that I'm like, I don't know. It just feels kind of clunky a little bit. So I think my in-between for this, in terms of like a best-case archetype scenario, is a player that Darvin Ham has worked with before and pretty recently. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm very anxious to hear <laughs> So I'm talking about Darvin Ham as an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks. And my best case archetype scenario for Rui Hachimura is a player that you love and a player that I told you would be better than Julius Randle. Still up in the air. But Mr. Bobby Portis, I feel like if Rui Hachimura can get to the point. Mr. BP. Bobby Portis's career progression is actually very interesting, right? Because yeah. he was not a three-point shooter, and he was going to 
fall out of the league and end up as this sort of failed Noah Vonley type. You know what I mean? Uh, weird but guy it, who beat up his teammates in practice. Yeah. Exactly. That would have been his tale. Like, I punched Nikola Miritic or whatever, and that was it. And Nikola Miritic never came back to the NBA. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I punched no, him out but of the it, league. He's out of the league, yeah. No, but in terms of how Bobby Portis has sort of morphed into this utility forward who can space the floor at such a high, efficient, reliable level, but still maintains his toughness on the defensive end. I'm not sure if he's a great defender, but he at least shows the effort and stands his ground. Yeah, I mean, he just mucks it up in the paint, right? He rebounds. He has a post-up mid-range game. You can dump the ball down to him. But most of all... He can play his role if need be when all the other star bucks are healthy and he slots in perfectly because he can space the floor. If Rui Hachimura can become that reliable type of tweener forward and we saw flashes of this with 40% three-point shooting Markeith Morris in the bubble, if he can be Bobby Portis slash bubble Markeith Morris, I mean, that's all we can ask for, you know? So that's my best case archetype scenario for him. Uh, What about you? Yeah, so I kind of alluded to this, but I kind of view him like Tobias Harris, I think is like the obvious. I'm not going to say Kawhi. I, that's his draft comps. I saw it was a lot of Kawhi, but I like that just feels silly. Um, Tobias Harris feels like more appropriate, but I do. I think he's more athletic than like a Tobias Harris. And that's why I kind of get the Harrison Barnes. Like, so I kind of view him as, as a hybrid of those two. I think one interesting thing with him, and this is like kind of telling, right? Because if you recall, I mean, you recall, but if folks listening recall, we had a pick. Like, we were scouting this 2019 draft. This was the draft that we ended up trading the pick to get AD. But before yeah. we knew what the pick was and before we knew we were doing the AD trade, we had been scouting this draft. Not you and me, we, I mean, that too, but like the front office. So, like, they knew Re at the time. And if you look at some of his like draft notes um, in terms of things that he needs to improve or, you know, kind of red flags with him. The big one was he has to, he has to improve his aggressiveness on both ends. And I actually Mm. thought it was really telling that the first thing Magic Johnson tweeted, right. And Magic Johnson was still involved with us at that point was re needs, if he re is going to be a really great pickup for the Lakers, if he can improve his aggressiveness on both ends. So he clearly like remembered like the draft notes on him. And I think Mm. like when you see this sort of, you know, you kind of, uh, uh, characterize it as like a not super fluid as as not as fluid as Kyle Kuzma or some of these other like more rangy wings that that we've seen in in recent years I think I wonder personally how much of that is him not being super aggressive and not fully realizing the athleticism that that he has because you know we call it sneaky athleticism but I think he just honestly forgets sometimes or he doesn't know how to use it like when he makes these plays, it's like, oh, that's in there. So, like, you can do that more often, like, play that type mm-hmm. of style. And I think he just has to hone that stuff. Um, the Bobby Portis comp, I think, is is uh, as an upside thing, is 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 a good one too. I don't know if you'll ever get there defensively because I think Bobby Portis is so strong, and maybe mm-hmm. he really will get there. I don't know, but Bobby Portis is so strong that I don't know that Reed has that kind of upside defensively. But yeah. Um, in terms of a worst case scenario, and this is not doing this guy justice because he's had a very good career, but, you know, kind of like current Marcus Morris, um, not oh, Mar- huh. Marcus Morris in like his prime when he was like, Marcus Morris has had a very nice career. Okay. But like, you know, <clears throat> uh, a guy who is going to exclusively operate from the perimeter and is too slow to kind of 
you know, he's going to hit his shots, but like, he's kind of too slow to get to the rim. And if his mm-hmm. outside, outside shot isn't cooking, like he's not going to give you a whole lot. And, and yeah. again, no disrespect to Marcus Morris. I'm not talking about like his entire, I'm not even necessarily talking about him this year. I just know that he's kind of had a, a down year in many Clipper fans eyes. So I, I, in my opinion, if, if that's all re becomes um, just sort of a mediocrely effective mid range shooter, then, um, then, then, you know, that wouldn't be ideal. Um, but yeah. but that would be like sort of, sort of a low bar, I think, based on where okay. he is right now. For my worst case scenario, I, I went really worst. So like okay. something that I wouldn't want. Because even, even this version of Marcus Morris, I'd be like, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but no. so my worst case scenario would be like a Trey Lyles. Because, you know, Trey Lyles' game these days is literally just I'm tall and I shoot mid-range jump shots. That's yeah. pretty much all he does. And, and maybe to expand it to a relevant Lakers comp. It's almost like Trey Lyles plus Thomas Bryant fusion because Rui does some Thomas Bryanty things in terms of Thomas Bryant's a really good jump shooter in the mid-range and he hustles. He runs the floor, but then on defense, he's like very soft and can get pushed around. He gets blown by and Rui has those same tendencies defensively. And if he never learns to hone his aggression and stand his ground and really lock in on the defensive end, and he never extends his game from the three-point line, I mean, I could see him being this sort of Thomas Bryant, like, okay, once every four games he can get us 22 and 15, you know, but it's sort of like a very soft 22 and 15. Um, yeah. And kind of why I say Trey Lyles as well, just because Trey Lyles is effective for the Sacramento Kings, but he's like a bench role player who you're just hoping he's hitting his jump shots on any given night, but you can't really expect anything more. So... Um, so I guess, I mean, it's not that bad, but it's like, we're talking about at this point, minimum guys in Thomas Bryan and Trey Lyles, right? So, so yeah, we're hoping yeah. to, to kind of hit that Bobby Portis, Harris and Barnes, Markeith Morris in his prime sort of, um, threshold. And we hope that he'll be able to do it with Phil Handy and Darvin Ham. So yeah, that'll pretty much do it. I mean, we're going to, we're going to see these guys tonight, I think against the San Antonio Spurs, uh, which is wild to think about in just a couple of hours. Um, AD will be playing presumably, I think. I, I don't think there's been a confirmation yet, but it will be interesting to see how Rui slots in with AD and LeBron. I know there have been reports that have said that they potentially see him in the starting lineup once he settles in. My last question to you, and I want to take too much too long too much longer on this, but like it's still feels a little bit clunky, don't you think? I, I think Rui would be the four, LeBron would slide back to the three, and Miles would be the five. I mean, I like it from a height and size perspective, but it feels clunky. What about you? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, Freudian slip, you said Miles at the five, but you meant AD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, AD at the five, uh, Rui at the four, LeBron at the three. I agree with you that it is potentially a little bit clunky, but I'm more worried about it defensively, actually. I think offensively, again, it's... Rui has has established more offensively than, like, how many guys on our roster? I, I, pretty much everyone except for LeBron, AD, and Russ. Like, in his, in his very short career, he has proven that he can score points, right? And, yeah, he might have the aggression problems and and whatever from time to time. And, and maybe he'll have like his cold nights or whatever. I mean, we'll have to learn and see kind of what his main downsides are as a player once we see him more consistently, but 
I think offensively it's going to work. I think defensively it could become problematic. I think LeBron at this stage in his career, like we've been trying to hide him more. Um, and when we, we have to, when he has to slide back down to the three, it's probably better for his body, but I, I have concerns rebounding. I have concerns, you know, defending at the rim. And these are all concerns by the way that like, I think will be addressed as early as next season when Rui gets like a, a full off season of working with this coaching staff and working with like the Lakers players and in terms of learning how to be like a legit player. I mean, like not to trash the wizards too much because Spencer Dinwiddie tried his best to do that. I don't know if you saw his tweets last night after the game, but like, you know, there is probably some truth to that, right? Like Dinwiddie played on that team and he's like, there's a bunch of guys over there that are trying to play for contracts. And that's different than, being on a team with LeBron James and AD who are trying to win. I mean, we've even seen it in recent, in recent weeks, what, right. With LeBron, like really trying to coach up Thomas Bryant and Wenyan, like in game, like, Oh, like very demonstratively. So re has never really had that before. So, um, you know, I, I think it'll, it'll all come together offensively. I think the clunkiness defensively is going to be a challenge. Um, you know, that, but I that's, mean, like, it's going to, it's in my opinion, it's going to work better than, it's going to work at worst as well as, like, the Lonnie starting lineup uh-huh. work with Lonnie at the three. And I think it's potentially going to be a lot better because it's not, we're not going to be as perimeter oriented, like, as three-point shooting oriented. Like, we have a guy who can hit from the mid post and who can finish around the rim with good hands. So I'm excited from that perspective. That, that's interesting. I actually think the exact opposite. We'll, we'll have oh, to really? see how it plays out because I think the Lakers, as it stands, have been a really good offensive team. And so I think, if anything, he could muck up the offense, but just because of his functional size and him, like, you know, eating up space in the paint, it's almost like he can just form a wall down there regardless. Maybe we'll get eaten up at the three-point line, but I feel like he can only help the defense because that starting lineup with... LeBron James and Thomas Bryant, you swap them out for Anthony Davis and Rui Hachimura. I can't really see how the defense well, yeah, doesn't yeah. improve. I mean, AD you know? is gonna, yeah, yeah. AD is going to clean up a lot. I guess like with my concern with Rui as a defender is at least when you're starting, you're going small and you're starting Lonnie at the three, like or Austin Reeves or something like that. Like those guys can compete on the perimeter. Rui is not going to be able to compete on the perimeter. He's not going to have sure. to because I think we're going to play him at the four and slot LeBron down. But I don't like the problem is and recompete in the post. And I think that's like a big thing about like all these people talking about his aggression. Like this guy is six, eight with the seven, two wingspan and is a solid two thirty, two thirty five. Like he does. I don't think he realizes the NBA body that he has and he needs to use it. Like he has to be really, really physical. And I just don't think he's there yet. Yeah, although I have seen flashes, I think his best spot is defending in the post, actually, because in kind of the same way that he operates in the mid-post on the offensive end and leverages gaining that body contact, because he likes to feel people's bodies, because he can square up whenever he wants to. I think he does that sometimes on the defensive end as well. I've seen clips of him, you know, stopping Giannis when Giannis is trying to post up, although, you know, Giannis is a pretty clunky post-up player. But I think... 
that's eventually going to be his best spot if he can just become more consistent, hone that aggression, stand his ground, because he is a very strong body. It's just about learning how to leverage that in smart and savvy ways. But yeah, with that said, we are going to find out soon enough as early as this, as early as tonight, and then we get to face the Boston Celtics with all of their wingy players, and we'll sort of see how this starts to look and uh, what we can be excited about for the future. So yeah, with that said... More to come. Trade deadline is coming up. Tommy, go attend to your rude boy, and let's go watch some Rui Hachimura, baby. Let's go. Konichiwa, as the Washington Wizards commentators say. And this is appropriate because it is afternoon that we're recording this, so Konichiwa makes sense. So, uh, Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. Laters. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.